Nebraska football returned on Saturday to disappointing results. After starting well, the Huskers faltered against Ohio State, dropping the game 52-17. Despite the score, fans saw positives throughout the game. We'll break it all down with special guest, former Husker Zach Potter. Sean Callahan is with us as well to talk Big Red recruiting. It's all coming up next on NET's Big Red Wrap-Up. Hi, everyone. I'm Michael Severe. Welcome to NET's Big Red Wrap-Up. Just when we thought things were getting back to normal, now we don't even know what normal is. Joining us, former Husker Jay Moore. Honestly, the whole conversation we've had before the show was, will this Wisconsin game happen? Where we are? Everything broke Sunday. Graham Mertz testing positive as a rumor. Then Monday, the backup quarterback. Now there's so many questions. It's really hard to even figure out what's going to happen. Yeah, it's where we're sitting there like, okay, what's, what's 5% of this? What's yeah. 7% of this? The, the ongoing uh, seven-day running totals of the test divided. You're like, what's, what's that number look like? And then, you know, there might be a kind of a – you know, NFL, you're, you're telling me NFL is a rule if there's a certain percentage of a, of a position, a position group, group. yeah. Now, their quarterback position is not, their, not the room good, is right. not looking too good right now, especially right. with Cone being out. Um, you know, and then now potentially looking at a four-string quarterback who didn't even play last year. Right. Um, this, is, this is wild. This is crazy. I mean, this, this, this fits in right now with 2020. But it's just, I mean, what are the chances that, you know, Nebraska would – is potentially could be the first game not played in this early on in this Big Ten season. I mean, it's it's wild. All this, all everything we fought for to get the to get these games played, and now we we're looking at a potential of not being able to even play on Saturday. If you look at the protocols. You have the antigen testing, which is the initial quick testing that they have, and then they have a second testing with the PCR. But the big numbers are, of course, as you mentioned, five percent both the team and then the population. The population is the staff and everyone else around them. And if you get two reds, you can't play. We didn't think, and I know Scott Frost said last week, he didn't think anybody would get to two reds because of where the numbers are. All of a sudden, you have Wisconsin in that situation where they have somewhere between maybe nine, 13. The biggest problem with all of this is who's leaking this information? Right. Wisconsin's saying nothing. The league's saying nothing. Nebraska doesn't know anything. Yeah. Someone's leaking this to well, yeah, the, the Milwaukee. Uh, the, the reporter in Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. yeah General he's, he's He's been on top of everything. Yeah. We haven't heard anything from Barry Alvarez. Yeah. I haven't heard anything from Paul. I mean, we heard uh, Chris yesterday, but he said he felt confident the game was going to be played. Yep. Um, and it's just, it's awkward. It's a little, you know, eerie feeling a little bit just because it's just, what, yeah. what is going on? You know, don't want to get in, you know, conspiracy theories, things, right. but it's like, okay, Nebraska, you know, is all of a sudden plays first game is Ohio State. Okay, great. Yeah. Now they could be the first team to not play a game. They get a game not postponed, canceled right. in this, yeah. in this season. It's a no, con- no contest. No contest. Yeah. So it's just like, what is, what is happening? You know, 2020 mm-hmm. has been obviously a, a very strange yeah. year. But it's just the, the information is just why can't we get the you know from actual university the athletic department why is it coming from yeah. Um, yeah. you know a Milwaukee newspaper it's just someone's someone is trying to leak something do something I don't know it's just it doesn't make sense right now and a, and a big issue is of course is that there's a lot of privacy involved in this mm-hmm. and schools yeah, don't totally. want to say who has tested positive for COVID they don't want to do that so they're kind of stuck you know in a tough spot as well I get that but somebody's out there giving the information to the reporters right you think for whatever reason you think. People at Wisconsin be upset because they're like, okay, who is who is giving? You know, we want to keep Graham Mertz's his, his information private. We mm-hmm. want to keep uh, Wolf has the backup quarterback, the third string yeah. quarterback, his information private. Um, but who's who's is someone athletic department? Is there a trainer? Is there staff? Is there someone on the medical staff that's doing this testing that can right. see the information? Is he? Mm-hmm. You know, is his pockets getting greased somehow? Did he give right, out this right. information? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's odd. It's, it's very right. strange. And it's, you know, it's finally we get to a game, Nebraska. Um, you know, we, you start the season playing arguably one of the best teams in the nation. Now you get a team in Wisconsin. You're like, hey, we, we match up very well with this right. yeah. team, even though they handled Illinois um, easily on Friday. Now you're like, okay, I like, I like Nebraska's chances. Now we don't even know if we're going to have a chance to play. And we'll preview Wisconsin later. But looking back at Ohio State, I told you I had a great analogy. Yeah, let's hear I thought it, it was. I'm ready. So I thought the Ohio State game was like a cold open for a restaurant, right? They have those soft opens, and what they do is they bring you in, they give you some fancy stuff and go, here's what we might have on our menu. We may have it, may not have it. And then when you go back and you have the permanent opening, then you know exactly what's on the menu. That's what Ohio State felt like to me. You got McCaffrey dotting the eye, the pistol. They're doing a bunch of different things. I think they were just trying out a bunch of stuff. Knowing that he probably weren't going to win the game. Right. And then Wisconsin was going to be the week where you saw a lot yeah. of the stuff. That I, I like that analogy. I mean, I, you know, doing podcasts like that, you're like, mm-hmm. normally when you play your first game, you can experiment and you're playing a South Dakota State. Yeah. You know, um, you know maybe a Mac school, uh, you know, someone not 
it brings in the top five in the nation. Yeah. And you can't experiment. You can make mistakes and, and, and you can try things and see if it works. And maybe if you want to stick with them going into week two, week three, great. Right. If you don't, like, oh, we'll scrap that. I don't, that didn't match up well against even a, you know, North Dakota, whoever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, Listen, I, I don't think at any point, I think for Nebraska to have a chance in that football game, it had to be, it had to be a track meet in my opinion. I thought it had to be a 42-45, 38-35 type mm. of ball game um, where Ohio State turns the ball over and Nebraska doesn't exactly. and don't commit too many penalties. Um, but I like that. So that's a good analogy. They try. I mean, it's, it's nice. Let's, let's be honest. Luke McCaffrey is a hell of a football player. And, and when you're missing some guys on the edge at wide receiver, you've got to get as many. You can try to get, you got to get as many of your best players on the field at the time. I think they're just trying to try them out in that scenario. Two of the best players are their quarterbacks. There's a lot to talk about tonight, as we mentioned. We want to hear from you. Reach out to us via text or send us an email, bigred at netnebraska.org. You can also post a comment or question to our Facebook page and Twitter pages. I'll be monitoring those. We monitor it all night to make sure we get you involved in the discussion. Our sideline survey this week, it's up for you, ready for you to vote. What's the biggest thing Nebraska needs to correct heading into game two? Is it the costly penalties, the turnovers, Nebraska's pass defense, or play at wide receiver? Head over to our website. As you can see right now, it's turnovers, and that's a big one. We know that. Nebraska has fumbled the ball way too much. A brand-new survey every week. Go over there and check it out. All right, let's go to the tape now and check out game highlights. It's just fun to actually have highlights. Only about 2,000 people in the shoe, which is weird because that building is so big. Nebraska comes out with a great play call early on. Martinez gets nine yards on that carry, and then this this play, and you're going to have this breakdown. Yeah, we're going to break this one down, but it's a nice little counterplay with McCaffrey. Um, you get some good blocking on the edge by Stoll and, and uh, Austin Allen, and he's off to the races. 47 yards on that run by McCaffrey. I'm sure Ohio State was looking sevens in the backfield. Right, we're like, yeah, alert <laughs> throw somehow, or maybe a yeah. Some sort of uh, trick play, but help those were a little counter. And as good as that was, off schedule runs are huge. That was supposed to go to the left. Adrian comes back to the left, to the right, and he gets a great block from his running back, Dedrick Mills, as well, yep. for the early touchdown. And all of a sudden, Nebraska's up seven nothing. It was really easy. You it know, was right there. I'm like, oh, where are we get into? But I'm like, okay, Nebraska might have a chance out of that. Four drive. plays, 75 yards, and then Ohio State comes right back. And this is something you saw: a lot of receivers running open all day, especially Garrett Wilson, who had a huge day, seven catches for 129 yards. Here again, you see a wide receiver pretty much running open again, away from Nebraska's defense. Uh, it's just. Fields had a great day. Only had the one incomplete. And then you're a touchdown right there. Master T gets the ball in. Now, they did have to convert a fourth down. That's the theme of this game. 10 of 15 on third down and fourth down for Ohio State. Nebraska has to get off the field. We'll talk about that a little bit later and how that needs to happen. Uh, Here we go again. Justin Fields, once again, this comes after a play where they probably should have called him down with his knee. They don't. Ends up being a long pass to Garrett Wilson. Touchdown. The question is what was supposed to happen with safety play there, but that's a play 14 to nothing. Ohio State is up early, but Nebraska doesn't give up. They continue to fight. They continue to play. They get get a stop on Ohio State. This is bad for Jack Stoll. It looks like a, a, a bad knee injury. We don't know much more about that, but Austin Allen, the Aurora native, makes up for it right here and comes in and gets all the way down to the 11-yard line, which eventually ends in a Dedrick Mills. What great second effort. I mean, just amazing getting his hand out without having his body down there. Mm-hmm. I thought they could might get him for the elbow down. Yeah. But, you know, we'll take it. No doubt about it. Scott Frost said how excited everyone was on the sideline, tying it at 14. But back comes Justin Fields again. We mentioned what kind of day he had, only having the one incomplete. That's to Olave, who also had a huge day with another seven catches as well. This was a great play right here at JoJo Doman. Sometimes you just got to take a chance, right? Absolutely. Shoot your gun. You know, that was a Fields could have kept it and probably scored, but he gave it off and JoJo makes a makes a hell of a play, and they get a field goal. And that's the play where they go for it on fourth down, have yep. the legal procedure. Right. Almost Frost thought they could have gotten the ball back right there, but they get three points. It was pretty close. They do get the three points right there. But then, right towards the end of the half, this is where you have to win these last four minutes and first four minutes. You get a Master Teague touchdown right there, um, putting them up again now 31 to – or 24 to, to 14. And then Justin Fields, he made so many plays all day. Another really good pass right here on a crossing route. Um, you, you think right here at a point, Nebraska again, third downs and fourth downs. This is a stop that Nebraska probably should have made. And I asked you about t- uh, Tanner. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tanner's chilling that play. He, yeah, he could have. He could have finished. You know, it's hard. Well, let's be honest. It's hard now. You get some targeting calls, and you just yes. don't know. And you're like, is he going out of bounds? He's not. Being, so he, he could have. Uh, he could have put the uh, pedal down the gas and clean him up, but he didn't do it. That's a great point on there. But then of course, here's the big turning point in the game. Nebraska already down 31-14. The fumble, seven banks, picks it up. 
Cade Warner almost gets the tackle. He goes in for the touchdown. All of a sudden, quickly, the score is 38 to 14 when Nebraska was just tied at 14 all. Uh, that happens. You know, sometimes that happens just by the uh, protection. Rip the rib Bill Klatt said that. In, yeah, uh, sometimes that's tough being able to hold the ball. Adrian Martinez showing that he's a little bit quicker than he looked last year. On these two runs, one the touchdown run, and then this one uh, going 39 yards to put Nebraska in, again, position to score. But this is one of the big plays as well. Cade Warner, wide open, whether it was behind him or had a little too much on it, that's one he's got to get. you got to have it. you got to get seven there. You, you know, now it becomes a 17-point ball game. Um, you know, and it's just that's a fastball. You know, it was just I think Martinez thought there's gonna be a little more, you know, traffic to get through, but he was wide open. And of course, we celebrate a field goal being made. That's always huge for Nebraska. And this play is remarkable. Uh, the announcers, the referees all thought he was out of bounds. You get the replay back and somehow Smith uh, Nigba gets his foot down that right foot down. It's incredible that he gets it down. He does. True freshman too. And that's a touchdown. Yeah, <laughs> that shows what they have coming. 45-17. Of course, one more score. Uh, Ryan Day did apologize for that one, but still, they were out there. They did it. 52-17 ends up being the final uh, final stat you see. Nebraska actually played very well. Rushing yards, very even. The big part, though, those two turnovers. Nebraska with two more fumbles, uh, and that kind of turned the game in a way. I love to look at that penalties. Eight, eight for 90. That's a killer. But, yeah, the, the turnovers and just Ohio State's success on third down, eight for 13. You know, and then there were two, two for two. You already said it, 10 to 15. That's where that's where you got to get off the field on third down somehow, some way. Now it's easier said than done when you're playing one of the best offenses yeah. in the nation. But you know, hey, it's 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 learning. There's a lot to learn from this game, um, and hopefully they can learn and have a game to play against Wisconsin. No doubt third. about that. It's time now to look at this week's players of the game. All right, so Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey makes sense between these two guys. Over 75 percent of the rushing production mm-hmm. and all but 45 percent of the yards total. It's great. It's not tenable, though, right? I mean, uh, this is not something looking forward that they could make happen. I think. I don't think so. I, I mean, I mean, McCaffrey was your was a leading rusher on the on the team, right? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I think wrinkles. I, you're trying to get, like I said, trying to get the best players on the field, right? McCaffrey is one of the best players that Nebraska has offensively. It's an experiment. I don't listen. I think when you get into more consistent Big Ten play. You're probably going to see more Adrian unless he unless he struggles, yeah. and then Luke will come in and, and help him. You know, maybe see it differently from the sideline. Right. But um, going forward, I think I think Adrian is is your guy, obviously. And but listen, I I think to me the offense looks smoother. We saw Luke come in a little bit after the helmet malfunction. Yeah, the, the fumble snap, the helmet drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And the, but even when he's in there, I just I I feel more comfortable when yeah. Adrian's in there. It just feels smoother to me. I'm not saying it's just. Yeah. Luke's very talented yeah. running back, wide receiver, quarterback. Yeah. But you have Dedrick Mills, mm-hmm. you know, you have Ronald Tompkins who looked really good mm-hmm. late in the game. Mm-hmm. You have Ramir Johnson. All those guys eventually have to get involved. Yes. And I don't think we're going to see seventy five percent of the offense from two guys going forward, and not really. I don't think it can be successful. That no, way. and just, that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of hits on your quarterbacks. Yes. You're back up too. All of a sudden, you get one dinged, and it's like, okay, now yeah. you got to start rethinking things. That's a lot of that's a lot of dinging. That's a lot of dings on those QBs. You got to. Be careful with, yeah. but, you know, early in the season, you might try it, yeah. but you get deeper in that season now. We, we saw what happens to Adrian. He gets dinged up a little bit, some soldier, shoulder issues. It's not, he's not the same guy. Hopefully we get the chance to see more of the guys playing and contributing against Wisconsin. Let's get another perspective on what happened on Saturday. We bring in Sean Callahan, Huskers Online. Sean, how you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks. You, you look at, I know the biggest criticism on your message board and among Husker fans was the wide receiver position and why the younger guys weren't playing. What's your, what's your theory on what we saw for at least three quarters of that game with a couple walk-ons and maybe some surprises at wide receiver? Yeah, overall, there were nine passes thrown to Nebraska wide receivers in that game. Six of those nine went to Wandell Robinson. Um, so you, you didn't get a lot of other flavor from that position group. And I think a few things factored in. Number one, the lack of overall plays. I mean, Nebraska's offense really only ran around 60 plays total in the game. Um, so the flow of the offense, usually a Scott Frost offense wants to be between 80 and 100 plays a game, um, depending on how much rhythm they get. And that's going to allow more opportunities for receivers to get in. Uh, they're missing Omar Manning, as we know. Um, Ohio State's a very good team. Um, they, they locked up on coverage. Um, so I, I think a number of things factored in. Uh, Ohio State didn't blitz a lot either. Um, they they 
primarily rushed Martinez with four-man rushes, which left a lot of guys back in coverage. So I, I think the windows were a lot tighter. Receivers obviously weren't running wide open down the field you know, because of the safeties dropped back there. So a number of things factored into it, but there's no question. They want to get Marcus Fleming, maybe Omar Manning, uh, obviously Alante Brown, mm-hmm. those guys, and, and maybe even Xavier Betts going here sometime this season. Yeah, another positive, obviously, was the, the defensive line, the way they handled the run game. What did you think about the way Casey Rogers played, a guy that we've heard a lot about, but I think he had the best game among the defensive linemen? Yeah, you, you look at that group overall, and I think we know who Ben Stilley is, we know who Damian Daniels is, Ty Robinson, but Casey Rogers was still kind of a mystery, even though this is his third year now in the program, uh, because he didn't have a huge role. He played a little bit last year, uh, but to see him kind of step in, um, and, and look that good out of the gates was very promising uh, for what they're going to get because you need depth in this conference. You can't just play with three defensive linemen. You want to have like a solid core of six, seven guys that you can play in three spots. Uh, I think when Jordan Riley returns, and we don't know what his injury status is, they will have seven defensive linemen that they feel fairly comfortable with playing in games. But I thought Casey Rogers earned himself a lot more playing time here going forward. Talked a lot about how young Nebraska is in a lot of positions. We saw a bunch of the 19 and 20 guys playing, the 2020 guys playing, especially on offensive line. I thought Ethan Piper looked good. What did you think about some of those young guys getting in there? Yeah, and all, Michael, 13 different offensive linemen saw snaps in the game. Four were true freshmen or redshirt freshmen, which it's been a while since in a season-opening game we've been able to see that many linemen play, uh, but particularly Ethan Piper, Bryce Benhart, both those young guys in their Husker debuts um, showed a lot of promise uh, for the future. Obviously, Benhart played a couple of games a year ago, but making his first start at right tackle. And then you look at Piper. He actually played more snaps than a starter in Bo Wilson. And I think you're going to continue to see Nebraska use Piper as almost a swing guard that can come in and play multiple positions. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's almost a starter um, by year's end uh, by just the rep count that we saw already. And I know the coaches are very happy with him. Juergens had a solid game as well from all accounts. Uh, you know, I thought Farniak uh, for his first game had some moments he'd like back, um, had a holding call. Um, a, a couple of other uh, sacks he gave up up the middle. So, you know, so I think some th- issues that hopefully he can get cleaned up. But I think that offensive line is in really good shape here uh, moving forward. I know you're dialed in, Sean. You talk to a lot of folks. What are you hearing about Wisconsin? What, what's the latest uh, as of recording this, of course, on Tuesday night? Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting right now because – Nebraska doesn't really know anything right now. The Big Ten has told them nothing. Um, you know, I know on the Wisconsin end, at least from Paul Chris' side, he expects to and he wants to play a game on Saturday um, here in Lincoln. Um, so, you know, you've got a media outlet that's obviously really driving the story and the information, but the school itself is not really confirming or acknowledging it. So it, it's very complicated. And then just this whole color scheme, the red-red, the red-orange, um, the yeah. levels of that, it's very difficult to understand because it's literally a brand-new language. And the data and the numbers, they're not something that we all have access to see. So to really get a better understanding of the numbers and what they need to be, where they're at, um, I think it just adds to the confusion of how and when and why, if they make a decision on this game, uh, where, where things are at. And I would hope by tomorrow we're going to know a lot more. Uh, for sure Thursday, you, you would hope that you would know. Both of Wisconsin's coordinators, I know, speak or are, are scheduled to speak to the media tomorrow, so that will be something to keep your eyes on. Nobody from the Nebraska end will speak to the media again until Scott Frost now on Thursday, which is their final kind of full practice before the game on Saturday. Sean, one last thing about the Ohio State game. One positive is the special teams. Great punting outside of one punt. Got a field goal made. Pretty good in coverage as well. That's certainly a bonus. Yeah, you look at those units, and it was an, it was an improvement from a year ago. Uh, yeah, I think the punting would be the one thing they'd like more consistency in that area because if you line drive a low one like that against a really good returner like Amir Mar- or Smith-Marset at Iowa, you know, he's going to run that back. So you, you've got to be – you know, you can't have those slip-ups, but I, I think in general they really like what Connor Colt brought to the table. Um, I thought the coverage units did a really good job. I mean, they pinned Ohio State um, a couple of times inside there um, and caused them to have some bad field position, and they wisely, Michael, fair caught those Ohio State kickoffs. Um, two of them they didn't, but the other ones they did, as I think we've watched enough Ohio State 
kickoffs over the years to know that when they put that thing up high in the air and you catch it on the goal line, uh, it's probably better to take the 25-yard line there because their athletes um, get down the field so fast. No doubt about that. Sean, we'll catch up with you a little bit later with more, including some talk of recruiting. But next up on the wrap-up, we're joined by former defensive end, University of Nebraska, Zach Potter. We'll talk more about how the season started with him. Before we go to break, select image from Ohio State and Nebraska series over the years, courtesy of Hale Varsity. We're back soon. All right, so we saw some of these plays already in the highlights earlier with Michael. Um, I wanted to highlight the first play, uh, the counter play we discussed with McCaffrey. Very creative by um, Frost and company in getting Luke the ball early on in the ball game and getting him involved. Um, highlighting Luke, Stoll, Austin Allen here. You're bringing him back into motion here. It's going to be a little counter-action footwork. So the line's footwork's kind of zone blocking down. His, he's stepping over to right, which is great because it freezes the linebacker. So that allows... Hymas to able to get up the second level, get a piece. But this is what I really love when you're kind of breaking down the intricacies of this play is Jack Stoll here is coming down, and it looks like he's going to take on this outside linebacker. And as, a, as an outside linebacker, your eyes always go down to the line of scrimmage. Now, normally he would spill this, and Stoll would lock, uh, lock onto him, and then the ball obviously would bounce, and uh, safeties, corners would fill. But he gets second level, and he gets wasted because he steps down. Austin Allen does a great job getting two for one. Now, Hymas gets enough of the linebacker here. Now we got an alley. McCaffrey's off to the races. Good job down here by Wondell Robinson getting some second effort blocking and uh, hell of a first drive for Nebraska. Now, we, uh, next play, I don't believe we did see in the highlights. I wanted to highlight one uh, positive defensive play was the Caleb Tanner second. Nebraska is going to have a four-down look. Um, Three-down, uh, uh, Fidelius Payne is, is uh, down here on the right. He's going to drop, but we're going to bring, Honus is going to bring a little A-pressure blitz, and Caleb Tanner's up top is going to wrap around. Now, right now, it looks pretty good. It uh, looks pretty clean. Uh, guys are eating up up front, but all of a sudden, this thing, I mean, Caleb Tanner does not look like he's going to be able to make a play at all, and this is, you know, Fields is going to do what he does, pick us apart or scramble, but it's crazy how football works, and Caleb Tanner does a great job of sticking with it. Um, Master Teague bails, and Caleb Tanner does a great job of splitting these offensive linemen now. I'm, I'm sure Ohio State's uh, O-line coach are getting after these two in the film breakdown. You've got to make sure that doesn't happen. You've got two for one there. You've got to be able to clean them up. Caleb Tanner does a great job of finishing the play and making the sack on uh, fields uh, to help the, the defense uh, for once in this game. Obviously, it's tough when you have to play a team like Ohio State. We've talked a lot about that. But they didn't have tape on a guy like Luke McCaffrey doing this sort of thing. So you come out and you put some of these little plays in with Luke McCaffrey, all of a sudden you have a chance to take advantage. Now, they countered later mm-hmm. on a power play very similar, right? Because they, they got in yep. on the whiteboard and figured it out. But that's kind of a benefit. Yeah, totally. Totally. That's what you mean. You saw Luke sparingly last year, but it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was some throws, bringing him motion, jet sweep motion stuff. But all of a sudden, I was surprised. I'm like, whoa, what are they doing here? You know, I'm like, how are they going to use him to throw this right. uh, initially? But he... He, knows, he definitely knows what he's doing with that, that football and running it. You know, he, he looked well. And, again, experimentation. Yeah. You can do that in this first game. And you got to throw some – listen, you got to throw some different looks at one of the best definitely. teams in the nation to have a, have a shot. We talked a lot about pass rush. You highlighted one with Caleb Tanner. How did you think the rest of the outside linebackers played? <sighs> Average. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, it's, that's, it's very uh, – when you run a 3-4 defense, um, some sort of a 3-4, this, is, this would be um, – their 3-4 is definitely more of a Bill Parcells um, – you know, Bill Belichick style to where, you know, what the type of 3-4 I played in was more of um, Wade Phillips mm-hmm. style of 3-4. So you get, your, you get more of a two-down with two stand-ups. That's very New England-esque. Right. Um, you got you to have, have a guy to, to rush to make a 3-4 defense work. you got to be able to – that line has to be able to know where that main guy is. So you start sliding protections and you get one-on-ones now with the backside guy on tight ends or running backs because they're giving so much help towards one side. Uh, we don't have that guy yet. You know, I think, I think Caleb Tanner can become that guy. Um, Garrett Nelson's very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, Felderis Payne, we haven't seen what he can do yet. Um, they got to get that guy developed so this 3-4 can really take off. No doubt. Our mistakes have kept us from having better performances and uh, keeping the games closer or giving ourselves a chance. Even Saturday, um, 
couple penalties that I may or may not agree with, but a, a couple penalties that probably were penalties that cost us drives, a fumbled snap, a couple fumbles. Um, we moved the ball pretty well, but we, we need to capitalize on those things. It's not going to be the same without all the fans. That's what makes Nebraska really special. But I think it's still, at the end of the day, it's football. It's what we love to do, so we've got to bring our own energy. Uh, we can't, you know, really change our game plan for who's who's at quarterback or who's playing and who's not playing. Uh, for us up front, it's really about trying to control the line of scrimmage, making sure that we see our keys and we make sure that we fit within the scheme of the defense the way we should. And I don't think they're going to change much. They're going to run the football. They're going to try to control the line of scrimmage. And then they're going to try to use play action pass when they need to. But if we can't stop the run, there's no reason for them to not stop running the ball. You can't just be pretty good. you you got to be uh, really good, and you got to execute really well. And if we clean up some of the mistakes, it's going to give us a better chance. We're now joined by a high school hoop legend, the junior Jay from Creighton Prep, Zach Potter, joining us here on the wrap-up. Zach, how you doing, man? With an introduction like that, <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> you will always be a basketball star to me, even though the football stuff was nice, but you're a hooper you know, in my I, mind. I kind of see the same thing in myself. I, basketball is always that first love. Football just kind of, as I always tell, there's just more scholarships in football than there were in basketball. <laughs> no doubt about that. It's always exciting to talk to you because obviously you played defensive end at Nebraska, so you have that defensive eye. Then you moved over to the NFL and played the tight end position. Which side of the ball did you think Nebraska played better against Ohio State? Uh, special teams? Yep. Um, no. Um, <laughs> no, I think ultimately um, I think they played better – um, defensively, even though it might not seem like it. Um, you know, I, I just love the fact that, that we were aggressive. Um, you know, some of the penalties that, penalties that we had were obviously um, penalties, but I just love to see the aggression um, and some of the, their want to. that they, It didn't seem like they quit. And not saying they had quit in the past, but I felt like um, this team just cared a little bit more maybe though so than some in the past when we got down a little bit. Um, even if, you know, like Scott said, some of those some of those penalties were um, kind of questionable a little bit that set us back. But um, I thought the defense played pretty well. Zach, some of those penalties that were questionable were those targeting calls. Now, you played defense, uh, defensive end Nebraska. Now, you played tight end uh, for a few or many years in the NFL uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I had this discussion with guys who play offense. Would you rather have a guy go for your head or go for your knees in a game? Um, now that I've retired, I will say, um, my knees in the past, I probably would have said my yeah. head cause I could come back from a concussion, but now that I've retired, I, uh, I'm thankful that I have my knees, but you know, ultimately it, it's, I'm thankful that when I moved to the NFL, I played tight end because I don't know how you're supposed to really play defense anymore. Uh, especially if you're in that back seven, you know, if you're a linebacker or a secondary guy trying to, you know, attack the ball or make a tackle it's impossible for um, these guys to not get a penalty. I mean, all these penalties of targeting and everything, they're just trying to go make a play. I mean, it's, it's not like they're personally saying, I'm going to put my head down and, you know, try and be head to head on this one or something like that. So um, it's just, it's so hard to play defense um, in this day and age, uh, especially in college football, I feel just because the rules are so much different than, um, maybe the NFL as far as when it comes to penalties and ejections and all that stuff. Former Oscar Zach Potter joining us here on the wrap-up. Most weeks when you were in college, the thing you had to worry about the most was getting to class and, and making sure you got your grades and then everything with football. Can you imagine being a player now, having to worry about COVID, the testing? Are you going to play or not? It's got to be really hard on a college kid. You know, it, it's got to be um, somewhat boring a little bit. I mean, you, you're basically supposed to go to class and uh, go to the – the training table, go to practice, and then go back to your dorm or your house and kind of like lock yourself in your room. I mean, just, you know, I don't know if these guys are still playing video games or, you know, able to go out and socialize at all anymore. But, you know, the fact of, um, you know, the 21-day thing that if you test positive, you're out, you know, three weeks, I mean, that's that's half the season. Um, and so I think I would be more scared to do anything right now um, besides just football. And, you know, I don't know what their class schedule is like if they're going to class or I would probably opt out and say, I'm just going to sit in my room all day and do Zoom and then I'm going to go to football and then I'm going to go back to my room and study. It's uh, it, it's just it's such a weird circumstance um, to play football in. And 
some of the regulations. Um, thankfully, I, I think we're all just happy that um, the Big Ten is playing football um, because, you know, several weeks ago, I don't know if we would have been in this position. One of the best positions in terms of depth for Nebraska is the tight end position. I, Jack Stoll, of course, got hurt in the game. But what do you think about the way the tight ends played on Saturday? I thought they played well. I think the, the neat thing is, is that they're going to be more incorporated into this offense, and especially now um, with Lubes as the OC, I think he's going to use those guys more. Um, he's got to in a way because if you look at the recruiting class, the tight ends that they have committed, you got to keep those guys excited because, um, I mean, truthfully, Nebraska is not exactly a tight end power. You know, if I was a tight end coming out, I mean, there's probably other schools that um, – are producing more tight ends. And so um, I think it's awesome that these guys are trying to change that culture a little bit and make, uh, make Nebraska more of a tight end school. And I think, you know, that offense is going to continue to evolve around the tight end position, um, especially with some of these tight ends that are more athletic. You, you can do, you can do so much with uh, tight ends in the game, whether it's a blocking tight end like I was, or if you're a, uh, a move t- tight end, I mean, just mismatches. You can do so many different things of, getting them in motion and, you know, figuring out if it's man or zone coverage. And um, so using the tight end, uh, it's been really neat to see the tight end game evolve as a whole, but to uh, see Nebraska make the commitment that they are um, with the players that they have, but also with the guys that they have uh, coming in in the next couple of years. Have you ever been part of a game where the two quarterbacks had that many yards that were so dominant for an offense? I mean, between Luke and Adrian, I think they had all but 45 yards for Nebraska on Saturday. Have you ever seen something like that before? I don't. I, I would have to think back pretty hard to figure out a two-man tandem that I've been a part of um, that had the yardage like that. But I think it's it's so neat to to see kind of the the bromance that I saw. <laughs> I feel like the last couple of days between those two, as far as um, you know, not getting down on one another or anything like that, and being able to say, hey. Um, we are going to play the best players. If the both of us are in the backfield, that's quarterback and running back. If we bring you as a wide receiver, uh, whatever it may be, um, that those two guys are just going to play uh, complimentary football. And I mean, because truthfully, they're, they're two of the best players that we have on offense, uh, you know, besides, you know, Wandell and a couple others. And so um, if they can have that unselfish uh, ability to be on the field and do some things like that together, I think it's I think it's awesome. Yeah, one of the things that Luke talked about was how Adrian took him in, even though it was competition, and he's helped him. How difficult is that when you have a guy, and I know it's a little bit easier when you have two defensive ends like you were, or multiple tight ends, but how difficult it is to take that young guy in and help him, knowing that, in a way, he's trying to take your gig? You know, it's, uh, I'd say it's harder the farther you go in your career. I think at the NFL, when you're really trying to um, take someone's job, really, uh, and they could have that job for a long time, where college it's more you know that three four five year aspect but um you know jay was one of the guys that was able to take me under his wing him and adam character um openly took me and barry turner when we were freshmen coming into nebraska and you know i would like to think i tried to do the same thing with people that came in behind me um because truthfully at the end of the day it's it's just a brotherhood you're everyone's got one common goal and that's to win football games and uh, the more people you can have um to help you succeed in that uh, it doesn't matter if you're a freshman or a fifth year senior uh, you want the best talent on the field. And if you can have those two guys um, playing together, I think that's the coolest thing. And um, I think that's what uh, that culture that I think Scott continues to preach over the last couple of years is that that's what he's trying to build uh, more so. Zach, what are you doing with yourself? What's uh, what's going on in your life, family-wise, work-wise? Uh, so I'm in audio-visual integration. So um, we've had uh, some good uh, good couple months of video conferencing. Um, everybody, <laughs> we, sell, we sell video conferencing equipment so like microphones and cameras so uh, we've been quite busy uh, over the last couple months of upgrading people's conference rooms and boardrooms and working with schools to to get distance learning going so uh, it's been a unique last uh, six seven months for all of us Um, but you know we've been able to uh, to get out a little bit and travel a little bit you know I you know I I say some you know this might be one of the safest times to travel if you're taking the right precautions and stuff. So uh, we've been on some Southwest planes. Um, Jay was actually supposed to be on one with me, but he, uh, he stayed home. I ended up still going to Arizona and we were, uh, we were uh, 24, 24 people on a plane that sat 176, I think on Southwest once. So it's, uh, it's been, it's been an interesting last couple of months. And as much as I'd like to say that we're, uh, we're coming out of this, I don't know if, uh, 
I don't know if I see the light at the end of the tunnel just yet. <laughs> well, hopefully the light at the end of the tunnel for Nebraska being good is right there. I, I know as a former player, a guy from Nebraska, it can be difficult, especially with former teammates who played for other schools when Nebraska's not playing well. How, how was that for you in the NFL when Nebraska wasn't quite playing as well as they did before and when you were there? I, I will say I lost a lot of bets, whether it's uh, monetary bets, T-shirts. Uh, I think I don't know what the Ohio State necklace thing is called, but I had to wear that once. Um, you know, it, I had uh, some coffee cups now, and you know, because even still, you you, you know, and so many people from different universities, and so you want Nebraska to do well. Um, you know, I, not many people can say I end up trying to you know back up my bets with uh, women's volleyball um, because we have that card to play. Um, we haven't had men's basketball as much lately either. So, um, I've been a big proponent of women's uh, volleyball for a a long time. And so that's kind of the, um, feather in the cap that I, I try and play, but, um, naturally it's football that, uh, that, that gets it all done. And, uh, we've had some good moments over the last few years, but we definitely need to get more of them. And, you know, obviously, um, a loss like we had on Saturday is never a good thing, but I think we saw more positives than we have in the past. Um, and, you know, so many people were complaining about the schedule early on. I, I said from day one, give me Ohio State week one. I'd rather have them week one than week six or seven. So mm-hmm. um, maybe we get that one out of the way and we just go on a winning streak now and, you know, finish eight and one. I know part of this answer is you just want to play games. But if you could pick one or two things you'd like to see Nebraska do going forward, whether it be on offense or defense, what would you like to see? You know, I would like to see uh, Wandale get some more catches, um, maybe even bring him in the backfield, you know. Think about having that as a, uh, a triple-headed monster in the backfield of Adrian, Luke, and Wondell all in the backfield. I mean, as a defensive end or, you know, as a stand-up linebacker trying to figure out, okay, who do I have um, in that aspect? Um, you know, it would even be interesting to see have Luke be a quarterback and put Adrian at like a running back and run an option with Adrian maybe as just like a fake pitch guy. Um, I don't know how he would act as a, an eye-back necessarily, but – um, I think there's, they, they got some weapons, um, you know, you got to make up for a little bit, um, not having some of the, the true depth at wide receiver just yet, but I think you can, you have enough skill players and some of those guys that they can use them, um, creatively and try and make some, some mix, 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 whatever I'm trying to say, you know what I'm trying to say. Um, and, uh, just to try and get some of that going. Cause I think, you know, as a defensive player, seeing that and trying to key on that, even if it's just one play that takes up five, 10 minutes in a practice uh, for a scout guy or someone that's got to look at that because uh, it gets a defensive going. And that's one thing I learned playing in the NFL is, you know, if you see one look, you at least have to spend a few minutes on it during practice. Yeah. And so if you can get them to waste time on that, just for the sake of it, you know, more power to you. Zach, we appreciate it. Good luck to Creighton prep in the playoffs at Miller North this week. A lot of folks that would be, if you lose that one, you're going to hear from the Miller North kid. I know. I, we already got some texts going back and forth. I'm looking forward to it. Should be should be a good game. I mean, high school football at its core is still, still so awesome to watch and uh, looking forward to getting back to some games next year. Zach, we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. Time to check in on the social media and see some of the best posts from this weekend's game against Ohio State. First up, pretty interesting one from ESPN's game day account, sharing Nebraska sign. Nebraska wants to play. And then, of course, you have the Michael Jordan uh, from the ESPN documentary, uh, and I took that personally. And the other one is, is pretty good. We talked a lot about what Cade Warner did with that mustache, and it says how it started. This is something a lot of people were doing. How it started and how it's going from Tom Selleck to Cade Warner. I, I personally think Cade Warner's mustache is better. Than Magnum P.I.'s? I do. I think yeah. it, he's got a little turn up does, on the He end. does. Yeah, he has yeah. more of like a – haberdashery like guy <laughs> <Yes>. look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just glad we didn't get the chest hair in there. Up next, Sean is back. We'll talk some recruiting, chat with a member of the 2021 class. But first, another look at some of the images from Ohio State Series, courtesy of Hale Varsity. Stay with us. Be sure to vote on this week's sideline survey question. What's the biggest thing Nebraska needs to correct heading into game two? You've got penalties, turnovers, pass defense, and better play at the wide receiver. And as you can see right now, it's turnovers. Those two fumbles by Nebraska were a big part of that loss to Ohio State. Be sure to go into our wrap-up website and cast your vote. 
Welcome back. Thanks for joining us tonight on the wrap up on Michael Severe. We're now joined by Sean Callahan to talk some recruiting. Sean, this is this is a really good class. We say it all the time, but 2021 is really developing into a good class. Yeah, Nebraska kind of closing in on that 20 commit mark, and they'll have a full boat to give. Um, so they'll take close to 25 when it's all said and done. Maybe four more spots left, but it's really helped. Um, having a strong local crop with five in-state commits, three Iowa commits, a South Dakota commit um, in a year when you can't bring anybody to this campus and you're not going to have home game visitors. Um, it's really worked out for Nebraska to have a large base of local prospects that have already been to Nebraska and are familiar with the program and what it's all about. All right, let's bring in one of the commits from this 2021 class. Heinrich Harburg joining us here to talk more about his commitment. Heinrich, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are y'all? We're doing really well. Let's, let's start off with making this decision. Obviously, in-state kid, this is an awesome offer to have. What was kind of the feeling when you got the offer and then made the decision to commit? Yeah, at that time, um, Nebraska, um, you know, I had been in contact for probably six months. Um, just talking to Coach Purdue, Coach Frost, um, building that relationship, um, you know, they wanted to see me throw, but that didn't work out. Um, and so they trusted the film and they made the offer. Uh, and, you know, it took me, you know, after seeing the first spring practice, uh, you know, I kind of had a feeling that that's where I wanted to be. But I sat with down with my family, just talked about it, and uh, we thought Nebraska was the best spot for me. Hi, Enrique. Uh, you got a chance to watch Nebraska play um, with Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey at quarterback in, in different roles. Uh, just what was your take uh, getting to see that play out of all the different ways they utilized both Martinez and McCaffrey this past Saturday? Yeah, I mean, they, like they said, like Coach Lubick and Coach Frost said, they're going to put the 11 best athletes on the field that they think can help win the game, whether that be putting Luke at running back or, you know, putting him at quarterback. Or I mean, I think I think I saw somewhere there. there's packages where Adrian plays wide receiver. I mean, Whatever whatever it takes to win, they're going to do it. Um, and so I think that says a lot about Coach Frost and um, his, you know, he's not afraid to split out his best, his best athletes. Hunter Carberg joining us from Kearney Catholic. Of course, a lot of people haven't seen you play. We're hoping to see you, you know, in Lincoln at State. And uh, how, what kind of a playoff team do you think you guys have and you think you can advance to that final? Yeah, we've got a really good shot um, playing in Lincoln. Um, I think we're fourth seed. Um, we had a we had a we have one loss in the season to St. Paul, just a good um, running team, and you know they they played us really well defensively. But I think we have a very good shot of playing in Lincoln, um, and you know I think we can continue to play well, and I think in the end we'll be playing in Lincoln. Heinrich, when you look at your growth this year, where do you think you've taken the biggest steps from junior year to senior season? Yeah, just seeing the field um, as a quarterback, you know, whether that be changing the play call or you know, seeing what I can take. Um, teams are going to, you know, this year they've keyed a lot more on the pass, and so we've been running the ball um, really well, and I've been running the ball a lot, a lot more than I did last year. Um, and just kind of using my legs, um, whatever it takes to win for Coach Harvey and Carney Catholic. A lot of kids, when they come into college, they want to play right away. I've read some of the things you've said about you know you have things that you want to develop and you want to learn. What's kind of that feeling when you get there as a freshman in Lincoln? You know, there's obviously a great quarterback room there already. Um, and so, you know, just going in there and learning from those guys um, and developing as fast as I can under Coach Verdusco. Um I know he'll he'll have me ready to go by, when you know, whenever. Um, but, you know, I'm not – Obviously, committing, I knew that that room was very talented. Um, and so, we're, but I mean, wherever you go, there's going to be competition. Um, and I think that's what drives that room to be so good is that competition. Hey, Heinrich, uh, what, what are your plans after Christmas? I, obviously, you'll sign in December, but are you looking at being an early enrollee? I know with the pandemic and just kind of up in the air questions about everything, you know, guys are probably on the fence of what they want to do. What are your plans after uh, December? I'll be in Lincoln after December. Um, you know, I just thought, you know, like I said, getting there as fast as I can, um, getting under Coach Duvall and, you know, that strength program, and then developing as fast as I can under Coach Produsco. Um and just building that bond with some of the guys that are going to be there as well. I really appreciate it. Have a great playoffs, and thanks for taking the time. 
Yes, sir. Thank you. Our in-state today is Keegan Johnson. I know, Sean, you've seen a lot of great players. I have never seen someone in person as good as he is at the high school level. Your thoughts? Yeah, I was going to tell you the same thing. I've been at 10 games in person this year around the state looking at prospects at all of them, and I've not seen a guy dominate a game in different areas and take it over more than him, whether it was the deep ball. And we were both at the same game, Michael, that Carney game. And Carney struck first. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Carney's a good team. Uh, You know, they're a top 10 team. And he literally took that game over, went deep a couple times, lines up in the Wildcat, um, you know, is is really their best red zone option at times. Um, And, yeah, this is (laughs) – this is one, if you're Nebraska, he's going to go to Iowa. And, um, you know, he's going to be a tough, tough player in the Big Ten West for a long time. And you hate to see a legacy guy uh, move on to Iowa because I really think after seeing what he's done this year in terms of an overall MVP in Class A football, um, he, he would be the guy probably right now based on what I've seen uh, through all the games I've been able to watch in person. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Michael. We knew that there was a lot of things we were going to have to do logistically differently this year. We wanted to pursue every chance that we had to be able to play the game. As the novel coronavirus, COVID-19, began spreading rapidly throughout the country in March of 2020, sports across the nation began to suspend and cancel. For events like the Nebraska Shrine Bowl, planning began immediately on a way to play the game safely. So we just knew pretty much in April that we were going to have to look towards postponing the game into July. And in order to be able to do that, we were going to need time to work with some people outside of our organization that are experts in the medical field that could kind of help us navigate through. I think there's still concern with contact sports, mostly because we do not have control of the virus in the community. It makes it difficult to guarantee that everything is going to be um, okay from a contact sports standpoint. Started in 1958, the Nebraska Shrine Bowl recognizes the talents of graduating high school seniors in an all-star game format. More importantly, the game raises awareness of Shriners hospitals for children across the country. While a normal Shrine Bowl game carries that added significance, in 2020, the game had extra meaning. We didn't go into it planning to be the very first football game since COVID came into into our lives, Uh, but it is what ended up happening. We were the first officially sanctioned football game in the United States, possibly the world. We had a responsibility to everybody in the country to do things correctly. We just worked out a set of protocols that kind of laid out what we wanted to do. At least a week in advance, we would start to have families check their players' temperatures so we could see if there was a pattern of either elevated temperatures or where they were starting to elevate and we may have an issue. The cooperation from the coaches and the players, they all understood what was ahead of them too, right? They understood that they probably had more responsibility on their shoulders than any other team in Shrine Bowl history, and they wanted to do things correctly as well. As the two teams took to the field and spectators gathered to watch, the organizers knew, despite their best efforts, there was a chance for an outbreak to occur. Keeping everybody safe and healthy was certainly a concern. Making sure that we got past two weeks and maybe even a month past the game I'm happy to report that between participants, coaches, players, volunteers, officials, all of those, everybody is still healthy and has had no issues from COVID-19. The efforts of the organization laid the groundwork for other states and programs to attempt to return to play in the fall. If we continue to be cautious and people continue to make the right decisions, we can get control of this, then we can start to get back to more normal. This is not something that we can rush. I think we need to keep taking steps forward and proceed cautiously. All right, as of right now, Nebraska's playing Wisconsin, 2.30, FS1 on Saturday. We will go with that. In terms of this game, the big thing has got to be Nebraska getting their running game going and stopping the running game with Wisconsin. Do you, you believe with that? Totally. I mean, Nebraska was able to move the ball. Um, I think whether 
you know, 493 total yards last year mm-hmm. uh, against Wisconsin. Dedrick Mills got going last year, averaged over uh, 11, almost 11 yards per carry against Wisconsin last year. They can, yeah, I mean, they need to get him going, just get get a little bit of flow of that, of that run game and, and help Adrian out um, if this game is, is, is actually played. Yeah, Sean, we, did, we saw Wisconsin not have great success against Illinois running the ball, so maybe that's good for Nebraska. Yeah, the big play wasn't there. Uh, the longest run the Badgers had last week was just 13 yards. Um, so this is not your home run hitting Badger run game. It reminds me more, Michael, of 2015 when they were trying to replace uh, Melvin Gordon and kind of in between Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Sean, what's your, uh, what's your burning question? I mean, I hate to say it, but are we going to play this game? I mean, it's a pretty obvious one right now, but will we play this game or will 2020 win this game? And, um, you know, on Tuesday night, you, you just don't really know, and that's not a very good feeling um, because yesterday we heard Paul Chris say that, hey, um, he goes, he fully expects this game to, to happen, and that's the only official thing we've heard from Wisconsin, and now we've got unsourced media reports saying that it's in jeopardy. So it, it's a scary spot right now. So far, 2020 is pretty undefeated. You don't want to go against that year. What about you, Jay? Yeah, I, I hinted at Dedrick Mills getting going. Had 188 yards against him. He, he was able to get up and down against that uh, defense. At the time, was only allowing 100 yards per game. And that Jim Leonard, Jim Leonard defense last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're as good as they were last year defensively, but uh, can, can Dedrick get going? Only had six carries against Ohio State, so can he get him uh, rock and rolling? Uh, mine's pretty obvious, but it's the wide receiver position. Uh, late in the game, you saw six, four, and one. You saw Marcus Fleming out there, Alante Brown, and Wandale Robinson. I think a lot of Husker fans would love to see that earlier in the game. Uh, I think Levi plays very well. Obviously, Cade Warner is a captain. We know how good he is. Uh, also, Wyatt Lever, we know how good he is, too, as blockers. But you got to get some explosion. You got to get some deep balls. They had the one ball thrown deep, and that was to a tight end. We didn't see them trying to stretch the field, although we do know that the offensive coordinator, Lubick, did talk about, you know, they had plans, but they couldn't do it. That's what you got to see. We've got to see more big plays. Yeah, you got to stretch the field. That's good. You got to have uh, someone that they got to respect. You might have to play 15 yards off, like Nebraska had to do sometime. You got to, yeah. you got to get some guys, and you stretch the field, widen everything out. Yeah. You start hitting some underneath routes a little more. Just, it just helps out everyone immensely when you can have a guy that's a, as a threat to show some speed, yeah. have some speed and athleticism. That's that's a threat. You asked that question to uh, to Coach Lubick about deep balls, and it seems like they want to try to do it. Obviously, yeah, you know, according to Pro Football Focus, Nebraska only had two passes travel in the air longer than 20 yards. One from Martinez, one from McCaffrey. They had, uh, you know, a good handful that were in that. 10 to 20 range, but as far as like that true in the air ball, um, and I think some of that came with the way Ohio State played Nebraska. They kept safeties back. Uh, they were able to do a lot, which is a four man rush. Not everyone's going to be able to do that with a level of success because Martinez and McCaffrey are going to be able to run and take advantage of that, where I think the closing speed of Ohio State's defense, um, it was a lot harder uh, because they obviously have elite level athletes out there. Uh, but I liked what I saw, but yeah, you want to see some of those home runs. Um, especially from Wandell Robinson and some other playmakers at receiver. Don't forget to head to our website, our Facebook page, to click on the prediction. Jay and I will tell you exactly what to expect if the game happens on Saturday. It's the first home game of 2020 as Nebraska welcomes in the Wisconsin Badgers for what should be an interesting matchup. Kickoff, as I said, 2.30 on FS1. We're back, of course, next week to break down that game with a very special guest, Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald. Our thanks to Zach Potter, Heinrich Harburg for joining us tonight. For Jay Moore and Sean Callahan, I'm Michael Severe. We'll see you next week on NET's Big Red Wrap-Up.